Hey guys, big news on the Patreon front. It's the holiday season, so we're making a major, major change. $5 per month. It's down from $8, as you guys know. We want to do something that's going to show some appreciation and maybe drive some more traffic. The Patreon, five shows a week for just $5 a month. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash always be booked. We've been doing the Patreon for a while. I am going to get more structured with that. There'll be some more cruise news and some segments at the front end of the show and all the weird, wacky, wild Tommy stuff is going to come towards the end. But yes, patreon.com slash always be booked. Upgrade, become a super cone, mega cone, whatever you want to call it. They're all the same now. $5 a month for Patreon. Let's start the show. I know one one group of people who are celebrating today. The people who make custom t-shirts are celebrating right now in the fact that this cruise ship is going to be sailing out of Orlando. Do you know how big the Titanic was? 46,000 gross tons. For those of you who aren't up on your gross tonnage, the icon of the seas is 250,000 gross tons. And then, oh, dinner's done. We had our baked Alaska. That was great. Followed up with our beef wellington. Who's going to carry me to the show? All aboard and welcome back, Cones. It's time to check in to the Always Be Booked Cruise Podcast with your hosts, Tommy and Ryan. You heard the nice lady. Well, didn't you? We're back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Tommy Casabona. This is the Always Be Booked Cruise Podcast, but you already know that because she just told you. We're doing it old school. We're doing it like we used to do it, how we did it before we knew how to do it. Uh, shout out to Ryan Q. Listen, here's, here's the scenario. The situation is, is that there's going to be these times. There's going to be times based on us being, you know, uh, across the country longitudinally from each other. You know, if you want to, I don't know if you want to go latitude or longitude. Are you following along the longitude line, or you are going to uh, go by degrees of latitude? In what? Who cares? Either way, the point of the story is that every once in a while we're going to have scenarios where we can't connect, we can't get together based on time. Right? There's this thing called uh, rent, and this thing called uh, shelter expenses, food, clothing that we have to pay for. And we do that by working an agreed-upon amount of hours at a place of business. Things like that get in the way sometimes of us being able to get on the same page from the standpoint of being able to coordinate a podcast together. This is one of those times. While I do not like doing the podcast solo, I am proficient uh, in over the years I've, I've done it. You know what I mean? I've been known to do it, so it's not the uh, first time I've done one solo, so I guess probably it won't be the last either, right? I just want to maintain the cons- consistency. Yeah, I could put it off till we coordinate, but you know, this is my last of my days off for the week, and I gotta we got to get rolling here, so we're going to keep the train moving, and uh, I am sure Ryan will be back soon, if not next, the very next week, the very next episode. I know I'm going to get a little heat for this, because I know a lot of people have become accustomed to Ryan. I don't like it. He said, hey, you're going to do, I don't want to do a podcast alone here. Man, am I freaking beating the dead horse right now? Let's get into some action here. All right, news topics. Now, there's a, we're going to go over a couple of them. Since I don't have the ability to banter back and forth over one of them, I'll talk about a few of them. Margaritaville at sea. The rumors are true. Uh, we got another cruise ship. 
from the little cruise line that could. The Margaritaville at Sea uh, Classica is going to be joint. Do they do they still call it the Classica at all? The Margaritaville, whatever it is, it's one ship. It leaves out of West Palm Beach. It does one and a half day cruises. Now you can say it covers three days because it does span across a three day period. But you get on the ship one day, you enjoy one full day. They'll call it a port day, and then you're off the ship the very next morning. And that is what it's been for Margaritaville at sea, and that's what it was for the parent company, which used to operate at Bahama Paradise Cruise Line. They used to have two ships. Now they got one ship, but soon they will have two ships again. They made a big purchase. They reached deep into those pockets, and I didn't know they even had pockets uh, with change in them to be able to purchase an old Costa ship, which is what they seem to like to do. This is the previously owned uh, Costa Atlantica by Costa, a cruise ship built somewhere in the early 2000s. Now, this is, yeah, a 20-year-old or so cruise ship, but it is going to be their newest and biggest ship. Now, this ship is too big to home port in the Port of Palm Beach. So what they're going to do is move it over to the other side of the state, which is Tampa, a small yet larger market than West Palm Beach. And it's going to do runs to Cozumel, Mexico. And they're coming up in the game because they're going to run cruises and sailings that go as long as five days. I haven't looked at pricing yet. I will soon. But, you know, it's going to be it's a great option. It's a great option for people in Tampa. I don't know if I would drive to Tampa to take the Margaritaville at sea. Uh, I think I forgot the name of it. What doesn't matter. You guys know what it is. Probably a lot of you know what it is. I just like outliers. Like I say with Virgin Voyages, like I say with other things that, you know, going against the grain, going against the norm of what we think about cruising, I get a lot of heat for liking this particular cruise ship, but I'll repeat it again on this show, although I've said it on Patreon and this and that or whatever. Uh, what, What do you like about cruising? The things that I like about cruising, the fixed things that I like about cruising Give me enough checked boxes on Margaritaville at sea for the price point that you're going to pay that I think it is a net win. Yes, there are issues, there's problems, there's lack of bells and whistles, there's certain things where they do come up short. And I'm not saying I like it. I'm not saying I love all the areas in which they come up short in. But I will say that, you know, those I I have, and again, net. We're talking net here. I prioritize those things net less than what I do as far as valuing the things that I do like on a Margaritaville cruise ship or any cruise ship for that matter. A beautiful aft pool with a bar there where you can see the sun. I promise you one thing. I don't be, I'm not able to promise you a lot. And I do promise that I don't always make sense on this cruise podcast. But I will promise you this, that the sunset, And the horizon that you're going to see when you look off the ship on Icon of the Seas is going to be the same exact sunset and wake and horizon and blue ocean that you're going to see off the back of a Margaritaville at sea cruise. You'll just pay anywhere from, I don't know, 15 to uh, anywhere from nine to $15,000 less on Margaritaville at sea. Again, I get it. Those of you who do not like it, those of you who want to throw out, you know, dollar store of the seas, you 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 have the right. You have your right. You reserve your right. But I'm just saying, I like it. 
I think it's a worthwhile thing, and I think it is a net positive when you compare the experience with the dollars that you do spend. I would like to announce also, speaking of big, bad, beautiful, amazing groundbreaking cruise ships we all know about the completion of icon of the seas and we discussed it at length last week uh the follow-up in the icon class will be star of the seas interesting name uh interesting name in that it's not an interesting name uh pretty basic of a name star of the seas is the next iteration of the icon class of cruise ships by royal caribbean and it was announced that they will home port in port canaveral that's right i mean as if that place does not again the newest largest cruise port on the planet Port Canaveral. I don't know. Again, does that go back and forth? I know it overtook Miami at the end of last year. Will they retain the title? If it's not the biggest home port in all of the land, it is close to it. It's one of two, one or two. Uh, so, congratulations to Port Canaveral. You will uh, probably enjoy. You will probably enjoy the Star of the Seas from Royal Caribbean. That's a think about how many people that cruise ship can hold and we're talking about out of or the greater orlando area that is a lot of t-shirts i know one one group of people who are celebrating today the t-shirt makers of the united states of america the people who make custom t-shirts are celebrating right now and the fact that this cruise ship is going to be sailing out of orlando uh, let's talk about something we never talk about on this cruise podcast. That is Azamara. Azamara Cruises is going to offer holiday solo sailings. You got to give them a little bit of uh, credit here. Now, the solo cruiser, the solo market, you could argue that it's underrepresented. You can argue that it's underappreciated, but Azamara is doing their part to help them out. Now, I don't know if they've done research and see that, you know, it's been underestimated. A lot of unders here for the solos. But what they're doing is hold is 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 holding three sailings that will feature and cater to the solo cruiser. Now, I didn't look up pricing on this. All I am saying is that, yes, they will uh, make it more affordable for the solo cruiser, but it's still Azamara, so you're going to pay a pretty penny. And it's going to sail out of South Africa, Australia, and Antarctica. And it's also going to do extended sailings. These cruises are going to range from 13 to 20 nights. Okay? So uh, Azamara plus exotic locations plus extended sailings, I don't think it's going to be that cheap. But either way, they're going to do holiday parties. They're going to do their best to match people up as far as finding like-minded souls on board. And you got to give credit to Azamara. Now, I think they're going for a different type of solo. You know, I think they're actually going for a different genre. Uh, solo meaning widow. Uh, cruising in Azamara, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, again, one of the biggest untold secrets in cruising is that people do, you know, a, a lot of people have kind of resigned to the fact that, you know, they may take their last breath on a cruise ship. And you're seeing that more and more with the advent of people doing solo cruising uh, or just retired cruising on a cruise ship and just basically here, here's my life savings Take it over, Royal Caribbean. Let me know how long I could sail for. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. 
and uh, I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, it's not, you're not going to get away from death or taxes. And you know what? If you got to do it on a cruise ship, why not? Four Seasons. You guys know Four Seasons. They talk about this being the epitome in some circles of luxury uh, accommodations from a hotel standpoint. The Four Seasons, much like the Ritz-Carlton. Uh, they cut their steel on the very first cruise ship that they are going to, I guess, uh, launch. And uh, this is going to happen. Four Seasons has an excellent reputation as far as, you know, like we talked about, five-star accommodations, hotels all across the world. And uh, they even have a band named after them that was from the 50s and the 60s. They're still going now, I think, or at least uh, the one guy is. Uh, Paul Anka? Not Paul Anka. Louis, Louis, uh, what's his name? Louis Prima? No, it's not Louis Prima. Frankie Valley. That's right, Frankie Valley. My bad. Uh, again, Four Seasons is clearly a, a copycat league. I keep saying when somebody does something and it works, and this is in all aspects of business. Who are we kidding? If somebody does something and it works, somebody's going to try to, I guess, you know, let's just, I don't like, want to say the word copy. They want to say the word borrow or inspired by. But this is what's going on out here. The Ritz-Carlton started their yacht club, the Ritz-Carlton Yachts. Four Seasons is doing the same thing, piggybacking off the success of the Ritz-Carlton. Uh, it, it's crazy, though, that these land-based hotels are throwing their hat into the cruise market. I wonder if that would ever go in reverse. Wouldn't that be cool one day if it did? You're driving through New York City or you're surfing the web on Expedia.com. And you see uh, New York, I'm staying in Midtown Manhattan. I need a couple of nights stay. I'm doing a weekend thing. Central Park, horse and buggy riding, Times Square, Rockefeller Center, the whole bit. Where can I stay? Okay, the Hilton, the Marriott, the Four Seasons. What would they call it, though? You know what? There were rumblings of Royal Caribbean putting hotel-like structures on Coco Cay. I don't know if that was ever real. I don't know if it is something that they're still thinking about. I don't know what the deal is, but you know, it does I thought about that as far as some of the venues, you know, a ca- a cafe iguana on land. I mean, Guys Burger is something that started on land came to why can't something have it the Red Frog Rum Bar on land? You're telling me I I could tell you right now. You don't have to tell me. I'll tell you. A cafe iguana cantina or whatever they call it placed in Miami or in the right cruise port would absolutely crush it. Absolutely give Senior Frogs, uh, Carlos and Charlie's, all of them, it would give them a run for their money. It would be a kind of a unique thing, a nautical-themed cafe iguana, put it on land. But what I'm saying is, why can't Carnival Cruise Line build a hotel? I think that would be cool. Why not? The resilient lady arrives in Australia. Now, this guy, Richard Branson, I don't know, man. This guy is the Energizer Bunny. The guy is 146 years old, yet he's still in a, in a, in a PR campaign celebrating or commemorating or commiserating, whatever it is, the arrival of the resilient lady into Sydney, Australia by coming in on a speedboat boarding the ship now he's on a wooden speedboat speeding around the sydney harbor and then he's gonna freaking climb a bridge 
the Sydney Harbor Bridge or whatever it was. This guy is just, I mean, out of control. Good for him. Uh, he's still doing it. He's still killing it. But the resilient lady is arriving in Australia, and that's a big deal. I, again, do not know. I am so curious. I would love to know about how healthy the financials are of Virgin Voyages because I can tell you that I'm rooting for him. I haven't been back on Virgin Voyages since I did the first one last year, but I really do want to see this cruise line do well. Again, sort of in the vein of Margaritaville at sea, of course, a much different experience, but I just love to see the outliers win. And I would like to see that there there would be an alternative to what we know about cruising that is going to have a healthy existence in the cruising space. And that's pretty much it. Those are the cruise news topics that I wanted to cover. And again, I will trudge on solo as we get into the main topic for the show. All right, Cones, let's cover a topic, a topic that this is not the first time it's been discussed and it won't be the last, but I always think it's good to check in and kind of take a temperature because this is a sliding scale. It is a moving target. And, you know, with all these new crazy cruise ships coming out, Icon of the Seas, Star of the Seas, I wanted to maybe talk about the difference, the good, the bad, the things that are different yet similar as far as cruising of yesteryear versus cruising of today. The overall experience, do we like it? Uh, clearly, it's changed. I would, I, would, I would dare to say a shitload it has changed. But it, has it changed mostly for the better? Has it changed mostly for the, for the worse? Or is it just a subjective thing? But again, I think it's worth kind of talking about it every once in a while. Because why? Because it does keep changing. You know, just for an example, there was a time when, let's pick a ship. The Carnival Destiny came out. Right, The Carnival Destiny, which is now the Carnival Sunshine. So let's get in our minds the Carnival Sunshine because it's been the Carnival Sunshine for some time now. There was a time when Carnival Sunshine came out and, the, and it was said, the, comment, the, 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 the following comment was made. Ah, this Destiny or this Conquest. Man, these ships are just getting too big. How big are they going to get with these ships? Same thing was said about Sovereign of the Seas. Guys, the Titanic, do you know how big the Titanic was? 46,000 gross tons. For those of you who aren't up on your gross tonnage, the icon of the seas is 250,000 gross tons. I'm not out here as Mr. Math Guy, but that's a lot of Titanics that you could fit into the icon of the seas. So let's talk. I don't want to sit here and be the back in my day guy but it's it's to me like i said it's worth looking into i want to go over a little bit of a timeline here and this is what we would consider to be and now we're going into the the the, the category of size is bigger better do we like giant cruise ships do we wish that they would cap off at a certain size but this is a uh, this is something that I think is worth discussing. So let's, you know, you have the old school ships, like like I just mentioned, you know, if you're going to talk early 1900s, you know, yeah, the biggest ship in the world in 1912 was the RMS Titanic. It was 46,000 gross ton- tons. It held 2,400 passengers. 
right after that, its sister ship was the RMS Olympic. And these are White Star Cruise Line cruise ships. And, you know, this is where we are. Then you had the, uh, we're not going to go through all these, but let's just go right into what we would consider maybe a modern day cruise ship. You had your queens, you know what I mean? The RMS Queen Mary, that was Cunard White Star Line when they had merged. Uh, you have your Queen Elizabeth, which is the Orient Overseas Line. These are ships that we don't really have anything to do with. It all starts, in my opinion, from a comparative standpoint, with the MS Sovereign of the Seas. And this is a Royal Caribbean International ship. This was launched in 1987, and it was 73,000 gross tons, which was an obscenely large ship at the time. And it was considered one of the first modern mega ships in the world. And the term mega ship obviously is so subjective because in this day and age, what would we call a mega ship? I don't know. If you're asking me, you know, and, and please email me, Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. What do you guys think as far as where's the line drawn for a mega ship? When does it become a mega ship? And I know there's going to be 65 different answers, but I think in this day and age, ah, what would we do? What would we call it? I think you got to go. See, see, the, the I guess the real blurred line area would be the breakaway plus class ships for. Norwegian would we call them mega ships I don't know but let's just keep continuing uh, 1987 to 1990 uh, was the sovereign of the seas that's how long they held the title of largest cruise ship in the world then you had the SS Norway uh, but then in 1995 princess cruises took the title with the sun princess and then we're getting into a real modern day, which what I was just referring to before, the Carnival Destiny. In 1996 to 1998, Carnival Destiny held the title for largest cruise ship in the world. And the significant part of that is because that was the very first cruise ship that surpassed the 100,000 gross ton mark. And that's, you know, again, 1998, that record was broken by the Grand Princess. So you have another princess cruise that held the title. And then right around the turn of the century, it all changed and it went to Royal Caribbean. Now, here's the piece of trivia, my biggest takeaway since 1999 through today. Now, we're going to back out. There is a there is a, a asterisk to this. You're going to back out a three-year period. When it was Queen Mary 2. But aside from the Queen Mary 2 from 2003 to 2006, take that out of the equation, from 1999 till today, the day we exist today, Royal Caribbean has held the title for largest cruise ship on the planet. And that started once Voyager's, Voyager of the Seas hit the market because this thing was 137,000 gross tons. This was the first cruise ship to feature a rock climbing wall and an ice skating rink. Can you imagine in 1999 the 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 the, the level of mind blowingness of people when you told them, "Hey, this is going to be a cruise ship with an ice skating rink on it." In 1999, people must have flipped out, and that's what it is. That's probably I'm going to go, I'm going to call it right here. An old school back in the day cruisers, hit me up Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. Let me know. 
if that's when people started to come with the get off my lawn stuff and the back in my day stuff. Because if you're talking about what people think of cruising and what cruising always was as a perception to the American public or the international public, you're going to tell us there's an ice skating rink. What the heck is next? A rock climbing wall? Yep. Same ship. And then Royal Caribbean went on a crazy run. Explorer of the Seas. Uh, Bigger than its sister ship. Took the title of World Biggest. And then Navigator of the Seas. And this is the one that did a seven-deck tall sculpture in the atrium. And like I said, the Queen Mary took it over in 2003. But then once 2006 hit, the Freedom class of ships emerged and took the title back. Of course, they took it with Freedom, with Liberty. And then we all know what happened in 2009. The Oasis class took it over and never looked back until the icon comes into play. But... I just wanted to talk about some of the things. I don't know. The experience overall. You can look at the message boards. Now, when I see message boards, I sound like I'm 74 years old because nobody really does. I guess Reddit is the only real message board friendly thing left. I'm sure there's more cruise critic or whatever, but most of it's on Facebook. I should say in the comments. In most of comments sections, you hear people talking about cruising of yesteryear and how it's not the same. Some of the difference some of the differences are what well, I guess the biggest question could be. My question was all the people who want to complain about how cruising has become such a thing of just uh, over the top and excess. You know what I mean? Can you? My million dollar question is yes, while it has gone over the top and while there are so many upcharges and things to pay for and things on the table now that they weren't, they, they wouldn't even dream of on cruise ships, can you still get that same experience? Can you opt out of all the big bells and whistles and stuff like that? Uh, is it possible to still cruise like you used to cruise in 1996? If you just want to basically keep that wallet close to the vest, I think there is there is a complicated set of answers for that. You know what I mean? Uh, because people who do, like I could tell you this, you can make the argument that someone who wants to go on that cruise and say, you know what, I don't care. It's great that they have all these things for families, for kids, for thrill seekers, for adventurists or whatever. But I love the fact that I could still go on the let's let's pick let's pick the Carnival Horizon, and still cruise like I did back in the day. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know if you can. Let's take a look at what is missing from a lot of the modern-day cruise ships. You know from a real estate standpoint, they have gone head over heels in making sure they make as much money off of every square inch. So gone are the glorious atriums and the grand air entrance you know used to get on a cruise ship in a lot of ways and used to be awestruck by the minute you get on because of the beautiful atriums well someone woke up one day as well we don't have to give up that much airspace we can get them we, we can make it more functional yes we can have the same bar the same amount of square footage uh, from the ground floor standpoint, we can fit the same size guest services section. We can fit the same shore excursion booth, cafe, internet cafes. We can fit all that 
without foregoing all this airspace. So you still get everything you're asking for, but is it as grandiose when you get on the ship? No, it's not in many ways, shape, and form. They did the same thing with Penn Station in New York City. Way back in the day, you used to go to Penn Station, and it was like you entered New York City like a king. And then they realized, no, office buildings, let's go. Let's get some of that rent. And, uh, you know, they're going back to it with uh, uh, the Moynihan Hall uh, with a converted post office area across the way. But they did that for a while. They're focusing on making sure they get their best bang for your buck. And I don't know. Who's to say, you know, that's going to be an argument that can go on till the end of time. Who's to say it's more important to have this eye appealing piece of art? What's the difference? What's the difference? You're still going to get catching your train. You're still able to get your cup of coffee. All your amenities are still there. Yeah, but it's not as cool. Grand Central is still preserved. Like I said, the Moynihan train hall still, I mean, it's brand new, but it still gives you that aura of impressiveness. Uh, cruise ships have gotten away from it a little bit for the most part. Uh, gone is the free room service experience. It used to just be if you wanted room service, you just call up, tell them whatever you want, and they bring it to you. That's it. And I don't know. I You can't argue with some of the reasons why cruise lines did take that away because of the fact that, you know, people drink on cruise ships. People fall asleep. People since it's free, will order an obscene amount of food that they know they probably won't eat. Or, like I said, even be awake to receive. So for that reason, as a deterrent, for you to really want the food that you're going to get, they attach a little bit of a fee to it. Now, it used to be a little bit of a tax. Now it became an all-out charge. Because remember in the beginning, uh, when they first started charging, it was only for certain items, but then other items were free. But now you're paying for every item. You're paying for all items across all cruise lines, and you're getting the automatic gratuity on it. So really, room service is now specialty dining. And again, you could argue back and forth whether or not that's good or bad. A lot of people are up in arms about there no longer being a midnight buffet or a grand buffet. And I guess the reason that people like that is because of the shows and it used to be just you go to the show and then you go to the midnight buffet or the grand buffet and it was very elaborate and enjoyable and it was a full scale buffet probably even more extensive than what you would see at dinner time in modern day cruising and i guess it's also a thing where a lot of people don't even i would say maybe a lot of people didn't even enjoy or, or indulge in the midnight buffet they didn't even go to it. But I think our knee-jerk front-of-mind consciousness is to just take note of things when they're taken away from us. And I don't think you can underestimate that the effect that has on many of people's perception of cruising who go back that far when things used to be the certain way. We could talk all day about how yes, you used to be able to golf off the back of a cruise ship. You used to be able to skeet shoot off the back of a cruise ship. And yes, because I'm a nine-year-old, I can't say the word skeet without laughing. That's just what it is. I'm just going to laugh every time I say it. But what else? Uh, cruising used to be, let's just say the main dining room was more of a real deal thing. Like, I think, let me put it to you like this. And people who go back, when it comes to cruising, go back in the day, 
Tell me if I'm right. Tell me if I'm wrong. I'm going to make a leap and say that formal dining today, captain's dinner, formal night, whatever you want to call it, elegant night, that night today on a cruise ship is less elegant than regular day on old school cruise ships. What I'm saying is on a regular sea day main dining room, you had people dressing up without an occasion and looking uh, more fancy without a designated formal night 20 years ago than you have on the actual formal nights of today. Would you walk with me on that? Would you take that ride with me and agree with me on that? Well, tell me if I'm wrong. Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. That's what we want to do here. We want to have this discourse. Uh, What else? And the items. Obviously, the items, when you're sitting down, I mean, they were freaking throwing around. they, They were throwing around lobster back then. Or at least this is the perception that I get from people. That they would throw around lobster like it was freaking nachos, you know? What do you want? Another lobster. You get a lobster. You get a everybody gets a lobster. You want another lobster? Take more lobster on, on, on lobster night. Crab legs, out the wazoo, shrimp, steak, everything. It was a known thing that yes, you can indulge and indulge you will on these cruise ships in these main dining rooms. Cruising was more uh ritualistic. It was more communal back in the day. Everybody did X, Y, Z, whether it's dinner, whether it's the shows, you know, you are. And again, the word is herded around like cattle, but people, it seemed like we're happy to be herded around like cattle because the experience warranted it. You would go to dinner and it was more accepted and understood that, yes, you're on a cruise. You're going to sit at a big table with lots of strangers that you don't know. And you're going to, you know, f- enemies will become friends. Friends will become lovers. Uh, people will go through a journey and be better for having gone through that journey. It's a whole narrative at these dinners. And then, oh, dinner's done. We had our baked Alaska. That was great. We enjoyed our chocolate melting cake, our creme brulee. After our escargot, followed up with our beef wellington. We are full. Who's going to carry me to the show? (laughs) Well, we got scooters. We got motorized scooters for people who are perfectly able to walk. No, we didn't have that back then, right? That's a thing, too. Does that drive you nuts? Drives me nuts a little bit. Something about that. Just being an able-bodied person. And sitting in either a, a motorized scooter or even a wheelchair, I automatically, for, for years, I automatically see the people in those motorized uh, scooters are, are disabled. Well, that's not the case necessarily anymore. I don't know. I, I'm judging a little bit. I shouldn't say. If people want to people want to do what they want to do with their vacation, they can. Hey, listen, it's a big ship. I'm not walking around this freaking ship. But, I mean, come on. The elevators? The elevators with these things. I remember <laughs> I was on an elevator once, and I think it was Norwegian. I think it was on the vloggers cruise. There was one drunk dude in this elevator. He was boxed up. He was hammered up. And I'm on the elevator too, but then two scooters came in. And this guy was feeling no pain who was standing up. And the two scooters were trying to... <laughs> 
trying to get into the elevator. And they were able to. It was just a little bit of a configurational thing that they had to do. Yeah, I'm stuck up against the wall like a freaking mosquito. That doesn't even make sense, but just let's go with it. Uh, he was stuck up against the wall with a big drink in his hand trying not to dump it on the, uh, you know, the, 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 the engine or the gearbox of the uh of the motorized scooter but they were trying to and they were like kind of like bumping into each other they didn't know it and uh they were just apologizing and you know an elevator is just an awkward situation to begin with but they were kind of banging back and forth bumper to bumper and it was just awkward but to take away the awkwardness this drunk kid just goes and he was a country boy and you could tell and you know a lot of nascar fans and country boys and he goes come on in and then they bumped into each other, and they looked at each other like, oh, sorry. And he goes, hey, man, if if you ain't rubbing, you ain't racing. <laughs> That's like, you know, basically alluding to the, you know, whatever. If you ain't rubbing, you ain't racing. Just the NASCAR thing. I remember, I think I heard that from uh, Days of Thunder. I'm not a big NASCAR guy. I've gone very, very country in my uh, for, for my New Yorkerism. Uh, I am very, very much of a country fan. That is one area that I have not. I haven't taken that full plunge yet. Some of my real country boy fans will say, Tommy, when are you going to come around to the NASCAR? Well, that's the next step. I don't know. I haven't been there yet, but I don't know. What else is different? What else is 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 less the, the dress code, like I mentioned? You know what's different, I think, and this is more modern day? I did start cruising just before they really went across the board with the drink package. And I think that a lot of people will say, a lot of old school cruisers would say, without there being a drink package, because I guess, again, we're talking about the overall experience. And you could argue that the crowd has something to do with the overall experience. You know, X leads to Y, Y leads to Z. And do all these features and attractions and over-the-top bells and whistles change what type of crowd cruises does it take away from the peaceful relaxation and enjoyment of what a cruise used to be because now you have families now there's more kids you always had families but now you have uh excess of families maybe uh young adults who are looking to ride roller coasters do bumper cars ice skate do zip lines that leads to people who are going to be a little bit more uh, what would you say? A little bit more rambunctious. And I'm not talking about just kids. I'm talking about young adults. So, you know, and then you add a drink package to that. And now, you know, you can't tell me, I'm not saying people still wouldn't get drunk on cruise ships, but you can't tell me the fact that you can now drink unlimited for a set price. Of course, that is going to change the vibe on a cruise ship. And that probably changes the experience uh, in general as well, you know? So, again, going back to the original question, can you get the same cruise experience you used to have just by opting out of all the bells and whistles and upcharges? The more we talk about it, the more we're kind of coming to the conclusion that the answer is no. Those people who do remember what cruising is like in 1997 are not able to really find that same cruise experience because even if you go on you know the, the 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 older ships you know the norwegian cruise ships the sky a lot of those older ships are catering towards cheaper voyages and shorter voyages which cater to a younger more rambunctious crowd 
based on the fact that they can get a cheap cruise, get the drink package, get to the Bahamas for four days and call it a day. That never used to exist. And now the people who still want to have a relaxing experience, they're probably affected by that. And then the other thing is that we've talked about before is, yes, they still have all the free options that they used to have, or most of them, per se. But is there an essence of two things right now which, 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 which kind of go against that? A, are the cruise lines taking away, whether it's portion size, whether it's quality, whether it's variety, are they taking away from the free options because they're trying to get you into the for pay options. And on top of that, the second thing is it psychologically for you to feel like you're missing out by just sticking to the free options. I could tell you right now, I've gone on cruises. I say, hey, man, uh, I'm going to steal this cruise. I got it for a sick price. I'm going to jump on board and I'm going to enjoy what's free. And that's it. That's all I'm going to do. But that's easier said than done when all the other upgrades, upcharges, bells and whistles are put in your face. These delicious sushi restaurants, these Italian concepts, these top tier steakhouses. Okay, you know what? I'm going to have my free food all week long. Turns into, well, one trip to the steakhouse isn't going to kill me. You know what I mean? This is, look at the value. I'm paying $40 for something that I would have to pay $150 for on land. While it's true, it's still money you were planning on not spending. And are they finding a way to separate you from your money? The answer is yes. And then one thing you didn't see back in the day that you see more of now across all the major cruise lines is the ship within a ship experience. A lot of people would argue that the ship within the ship experience is what the whole cruise used to be like. And now, yeah, sure, you can still get the ship within a ship experience, but A, you have to stay in your little friendly confine, and B, you're paying out the ass for that. So the answer is, and I'm not saying so for me at my particular age, I'm still happy with what cruising is. I am happy. With the craziness of cruising, I am happy with the, uh, I don't have any issues with, you know, maybe a little bit wilder of a crowd. I don't have any issues with the fact that, yes, there are new bells and whistles that I may have to come out of pocket for. I don't like to all the time, but I'm okay with it. So my thing is, I'm not complaining about cruising whatsoever. But I can damn well see. Why some classic cruisers, some cruisers who were around to see how it was in the 90s and early 2000s, I could see why they are a little disappointed with the direction that cruising has gone. Hit me up, Tommy, at alwaysbebooked.com and join that discussion. Let's get into our segment segment. All right, we are into segment row, the segment portion of the show. I got to come up with a better name. Calling things segments is just nothing exciting about that, but here we are doing it. All right, we got two segments F, marry, kill, and uh, which, which I don't still don't even know what we're calling that. Uh, stay, throw away, or one more time. 
That's that's what it is. You're going to pick something out of the three that have some sort of a relationship to each other, a, a detailed, an in-detail relationship with each other, and you're going to pick one that you love, that you want to do forever. You're going to pick one that you never want to do again, and you want to have one more romp with another one of them. So let's get into that. F. Mary Kill, we'll call it right now. It's The Oasis of the Seas, Allure of the Seas, or the harmony of the seas. We're talking about big boats and cruise experience and how old versus new relates to each other. So we'll do the exemplification of what is new in cruising, which is the Oasis class of ships that I've been on. And there are three of them, Oasis, Allure, and Harmony. So we're going to get into that. All right. So first and foremost, I am going to toss the harmony of the seas. Yes, I know it is the newest of the three, but at the same time, for me, it just was kind of there. It was a beautiful ship. It offered a lot. It was, again, at the time, I did it fairly new into into its inception too, but the harmony was, it, it didn't offer anything over the top that I could do without. Uh, I will marry the allure. The allure is something I'll marry because it's just something that, it was just, I always keep talking about the fact that it wasn't amplified. So you didn't have the crazy colors on it yet. You didn't have to deal with the obstruction of that, I don't know, that slide, the um, you know the crazy slide that's at the back of the ship. It's not even a water slide. You, you sit on a potato sack and you, 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 you plummet 10 floors. But, you know, you didn't have to deal with a lot of... It was an Oasis-class ship, and everything that you love about the size and the space and the entertainment and the amenities that you get on an Oasis-class ship, you're just not going to get sick of the cruise on an Oasis-class ship. And Allure exemplified, and for that reason, I could live on Oasis of the Seas. And again, if I was going to live on a cruise ship, it probably would be Oasis... I'm sorry, Allure of the Seas. I'm sorry. And Oasis and you know was amplified, and so many of these new ships of the Oasis-class... They attract a lot of attention from, again, the crazy uh, the crazy cruisers, the wild families, the kids and stuff like that. The Allure offers a little bit of a break from that because of what they don't have on the ship. So, like I said, for that reason, I would marry and stay on Allure. And one more time, I would do the Oasis because, yes, there are some things on Oasis like the Aloco Fresh and you have the uh, lime and coconut bar while maybe the craziness of, of all that stuff is something that I'd like to escape if I had to do it long term forever in perpetuity for one more cruise I would suck it up and enjoy it uh, that that's that's my uh, throwaway stay or one more time let's get into Tommy's top five it's Tommy's top five it used to just be the, it is the top five but today since you know sh- I'm doing, I'm flying solo here. I'm all alone out there. Stepbrothers reference. Tommy's top five faux moments. And these are regrets. These are things that I didn't do, that I wish I had done. These are things that slipped through my proverbial fingers from a cruising standpoint. Okay? Things that I would have loved to have planned on uh, taking part in, but just didn't get it done. Almost but didn't get it done. Number one, sailing on the quantum of the seas. I still, to this day, eight years later, 
I have not been on a quantum class ship. I was booked on one in uh, with a group of five or six people. We were going to go to Labadee, San Juan, and I believe, I don't know, there was one more. But they changed the itinerary. They were going to have a skip Labadee. They were going to shorten San Juan. There were issues. I don't know whether it was propulsion or weather, whatever it was. We decided to go with a half refund. And we did that because we parlayed that half refund of a six or seven day cruise into a nine day cruise on the Norwegian Gem, which was going to ports that were much more exciting. Now, the thing is, I can't say I regret going on that cruise because that was one of the funnest cruises I was ever on. But if you're going to isolate it, I'm going to isolate having some FOMO because to this day, I still have never been on a quantum class ship. Similarly, similarly, there is an uh, element of serendipity in number two as well. Because I say that because what I missed out on, I feel bad about missing out on. But what I did do set forward the way I would cruise for the next 10 years. So we had an excursion booked off the Norwegian Gem in 2012, and it was a St. John ferry. St. John, uh, a day at the beach at Trunk Bay via ferry onto St. John. This is what most people will tell you is the most do quintessential escape excursion on St. Thomas. I was very excited because I was hot and heavy in collecting shot glasses. I was like, wow, I'm going to get two shot glasses for one island. I can go to St. John. This is a new thing. I, I was going to, it was like almost like you were doing a multi, you know, if, if the, if the, if the cruise itinerary boasted five ports of call, this was going to be a sixth, a bonus port of call, if you will. Well, San Juan night was a little crazy. They sent us into Senior Frogs. There was a connection there. Myself and the lovely Sony walked in, and waiting for us was a full, unobstructed bottle of tequila in an ice bucket. Sony and I took full advantage of that. There was no tequila left, and there was no alarm clock that was going to wake us up for this excursion. So we floated around St. Thomas and discovered... The St. Thomas Mountaintop Bar Crawl. So again, that's the serendipitous effect that it had. But here we are. I still regret to this day never having gone to the beautiful, majestic, glorious, scenic, incredible, peaceful, majestic. Yeah, I said it twice. Island of St. John in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Number three, the cruise I canceled that was going on the Carnival of Venezia to St. Lucia. I mean, that was a cruise that was going to be, I don't know if it was it 12 days. I don't know what it was, but Barbados, St. Lucia, Granada. And it was going to be on a ship that I had never been on, the Carnival of Venezia, an outlier. What I would label as an interesting cruise because many, many things that I haven't done. I just couldn't do it. Uh, because of the job, because of the situation, if the dates would have worked out a little bit better, it would have worked out to where I could have gone on it. But leaving that job, leaving that place of employment and having a good two full, three full weeks that I'd have to kick around New York for and not an option was going to Florida, not having a job and spending two weeks in Florida and then taking the train back up to New York to go on this cruise. None of that was an option. 
So I didn't think it was going to be an option to begin with because I thought I was going to have that new job that I had in Long Island and uh, I wouldn't be, I would have to cancel this cruise. Now, it still wasn't an option, ended up being for different reasons. So I couldn't go on that sailing and that was um, uh, to my dismay, to my dismay. I couldn't go on that bucket list cruise. Number four, the fully loaded cruise. I'm a fan of stand-up comedy. I'm a fan of the Rogan sphere, you might say. People, they call it the Rogan sphere. Joe Rogan influenced comedians whose careers he has positively affected. Burt Kreischer, Tony Hinchcliffe, Tom Segura, uh, Joey Diaz, Ari Shafir. There's a huge list of people who have risen to fame off the coattails of Joe Rogan. And dare I say the Rogan sphere as a whole, might be more influential than Rogan himself at this point in the game. But it's still, the common denominator was Joe Rogan. And most of these guys, many of these guys who are in the Rogan sphere, did a stand-up comedy theme cruise, sixth man on the Norwegian Pearl, called the Fully Loaded Cruise, led by Bert Kreischer. And this is a cruise that oh, I, I honestly wish I would have went on this cruise. I probably could have gone on this cruise. If there was a person that I could have gone with, I would have. The thing was is it was sold out for so long. And then the couple of days before, some rooms became available. I could have jumped in it. Not a cheap price. It's never a cheap price with a theme cruise, but a manageable price, but not manageable solo. Not manageable having to pay the double occupancy. But who's going to freaking fly to Florida on three days notice and go on a comedy cruise that I severely have an interest in that other people may not? Uh, Number five is a little elaborate where I booked us, me and my four friends, three friends on Navigator of the Seas out of Port Canaveral to Coco Cay and Nassau. So I was looking for cruises and there was a cheap cruise that left the port of uh, Port Canaveral that went to Coco Cay and Nassau. We have to drive two and a half hours to get to Port Canaveral. That's that's what it bet to, two and a half hours, whatever it is. So that was the drive that we had to take in order to take this cruise. Now, I could say that um, there was nothing wrong with that decision. But what we found out, and this is... A miss by me. I missed the boat when it comes to this. There was a navigator of the seas cruise leaving Miami that were going to the exact same ports, had an identical itinerary for the four days. Now, I ended up leading my crew to have to take a two-hour to-and-fro drive to Port Canaveral to get on the navigator to the the what was it? The Navigator of the Seas. Only to find out that out of Miami was the same cruise at relatively the same price that was loaded up with a partial charter from a bunch of female Mary Kay saleswomen. Now, boy, did we party with these women at the two stops we made at Coco K. There were two stops. There was Coco K, Nassau, then Coco K once again. And these were some wild and crazy cruisers. They're makeup saleswomen, and they were ready to party. They were made up well, hair done, everything was great. We had some fun. 
with this whole crew at Coco Cay, but we had to say goodbye both times because we were on different ships. And if I would have just known that this sailing was leaving out of Miami, we would have been able to get on that ship and maybe lay some groundwork starting day one. And who knows? Listen, I'm not out here talking like I'm a like I'm a young Paul Newman, you know? Like I'm a like I'm a James Dean in his prime. I'm not saying that. But I've had my share of success on cruise ships here and there. You know, you go with the whole whatever you want to call it, the whole broken clock is right twice a day theory, it happens. So that could have been fun. That would have been a great cruise if I would have just known that sailing existed. I dropped the ball on that. And I had to I had to be the guy holding the bag, explaining to my friends. They're saying, wait a minute, Tommy, you're telling. I just talked to these girls. These girls sailed out of Miami. They're on the same exact itinerary that we're on. We could have been on this ship with all these girls, and we could have left at Miami, which is 45 minutes away. And you're Mr. Cruise guy? You're Mr. I know everything there is to know about cruise. Yeah, I felt a little I felt disappointed and I felt a little I felt a little shame. I was wrong for that. I led our group askew. Ladies and gentlemen, your emails. That's right, your emails have become a lifeblood of the show. If you'd like to participate in this whole always be booked thing we have going on here, you can do that. You can be a part of the show just by emailing me, Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. If you have any corrections, concerns, uh, comments, contributions to the show, we want to hear them and we want to read them to you. Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. Let's get this party started this week with uh hi Tommy and Ryan and I am sorry emails that are read this week are void of the Ryan influence so we're going to have to deal old school style with just Tommy I think we're going to make it through it though we're excited to have Ryan back when he's able to get back though uh hi Tommy Ryan heading out on the Norwegian cruise line Joy in March for a 7 day western caribbean cruise from port of Miami the itinerary has us going to Roatan Harvest K Costa Maya and Cozumel. I am looking for things to do in Roatan, Costa Maya, and Cozumel. Harvest K may just rent some jet skis and enjoy the beach and the pool. We have previously been to Animal Sanctuary in Roatan as well as the Mayan ruins in Costa Maya. Was looking for some new ideas. Thanks for the guidance. Okay, so... You have some ports here that people might look at as pedestrian. Now, I definitely wish Ryan was here for this because I know we'd have some good stuff. And Ryan, if you are listening, let's put a pin in this one and maybe circle back and cover some of this when you're here as well. Because Ryan brings a uh, wealth of knowledge to this type of thing, and I think it's a good idea to have him back for this one. Um, I'll, I'll start with Roatan. Roatan, you hear a lot about diving. You hear a lot about aquatic wildlife. So if you are the type that snorkels at all and wants to see some cool sea creatures, Roatan sounds like this is the place for to, to, to get that done. Also, in Roatan, you hear a lot about the beaches. Beautiful beaches in Roatan. So... In this regard, you might want to make Roatan your beach day. And the cruise port is kind of cool. Obviously, it's not that elaborate, but they have some really good coffee there. They have some cool places to eat, some really cool shopping to do near the cruise port. And that is my story on Roatan. 
Now, Harvest K, is you know what Harvest K is. Harvest K is Norwegian's little private alcove off of Belize, and I loved it there. Harvest K, I think, is an underutilized destination when it comes to Norwegian. They don't, you know, I always want to do like a wake-up show shout-out to Harvest K, and every time I look, there just happens to not be a cruise ship in port. So I would say I think it would be a good idea if they just maybe did a little bit more calling to Harvest K, but they have a really, really beautiful pool area. They have an extensive zip line there. They have a land shark. that That's where I first discovered the Sriracha Crunch Burger. It's absolutely delectable. They have the shopping. They have, I mean, it's a very, very small strip of land, so you have water everywhere to enjoy. Beautiful beaches. Harvest K is phenomenal. And if you wanted to I guess going to uh, Belize proper, people seem to love the cave. The what do you call it? The 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 canoe through the cave type thing in uh, Harvest K. All right, so Costamaya is you know it's also a very very simple port. It's a man-made cruise port that was built to entertain cruise guests. It's not necessarily a metropolis of anything that's authentic uh, in regards to Mexico, but a couple of things you got going on here. You, the cruise port is cool. You have a swim-up bar. People really enjoy that swim-up bar. It's big. It's elaborate. Yes, of course. Anytime you see a swim-up bar, you can bet that you want to make sure that the sanitation efforts are kept up on because you know what you're dealing with. People are not getting out of that, and they're doing a lot of corona drinking without getting out of the pool that's all you need to say Uh, maybe guilty sometimes may not be guilty i don't know what to tell you it is what it is but that little cruise port area is nice it's elaborate you have a flow rider there you have some nice restaurants you have some good shopping the aforementioned swim up bar you have uh they do that uh ceremony that ritual and uh what is it called again? I think it, it's like the pole of the dancing men. It's the, the the Mexican pole flyers. Danza de los voladores. And it stands for uh, Dance of the Flying Men, where it's really cool. They send them up this giant pole, and then these guys are trained to do this death-defying, you know, swinging pole dance, the way they're kind of all strapped into what looks like just rope and the rope is continuously spinning you have some little drum music behind it and then they do this really really i mean scary looking performance and it is uh some sort of a ceremony uh tribute to uh you know i guess an authentic i think it has something to do with mayan culture it's really really amazing to watch and all of that happens right at the cruise port so you can get a lot done there also, when you go to the top of the ship, and a, and a hack that I have that I always try to do is if you're not running late, wherever you go, wherever you, whatever port you sail into, take an elevator and go to the top, the highest point of your ship and look around. Get a lay of the land. This is not going to give you anything in detail as far as knowledge, what to do, where to go, who to see, but it does give you an idea a general idea of the lay of the land, the geography, the topography, what you're dealing with. When you do that at this particular port, you will see off in the distance a pretty elaborate water park. Now, I don't know. Is it safe? Is it approved structurally by uh, standards in which we would consider safe? I don't know. It seems like it. I haven't heard of many, uh, many, many accidents that go on there, but 
It is an elaborate water park that you could just search, I'm sure. Uh, water park in, in Costa Maya, and people have had a lot of fun at that water park. I've never been. You could also do a lot of zip lining at this particular port of call. There's a lot to do. At Costa Maya, you just have to realize it is not necessarily the most authentic uh, experience when you're talking about Mexico and things like that. But, you know, enjoy it. Definitely. Uh, what else were you where else are you going? You're going to Cozumel. Cozumel is interesting because, yes, you've already said you've done ruins. So you may want to skip that. But again, I recommend the Cobra ruins because of the ability to climb them. Uh, Tulum, you have the beach escape there, too, as well. So you can combo that together. But Co- uh, Cozumel is also a mecca for diving. People say that diving, if you're a diver, scuba, snorkel, whatever, uh, Cozumel is a headquarters for that. What also Cozumel is a headquarters for are all-inclusive day resorts, whether it's Nachi Cocom or Mr. Sancho's. There's a few others that people seem to love. You go, set it, and forget it. Now, to me, I don't love those because it's almost like an extension of just being on the cruise, but people seem to really, really like them. I hear the food is good, the service is great, the beach is nice, the drinks are good, there's always a pool, and people seem to like these little resort for a day. And these are not like, you know, you're going to, you know, Hotel Ryu or the Hilton, whereas, you know what, there's a bunch of... uh, Uh, guests that are staying there for the day and they may look at the resort for a day people that you can pay for that experience when you go there but they may be annoyed and you may not get the same level of service these are resorts for a day by design they're designed to have you stay there for the day and enjoy it what else i've gotten a uh you know i would never recommend since the accident I don't necessarily recommend mopeds, but I've done mopeds there. You know what I mean? I also know that, you know, the cruise port area is loaded up with places like uh, Senior Frogs and Hooters and, you know, the the run-of-the-mill Carlos and Charlie's is right there with beautiful views. You could do all that stuff as well. And if you want to, yes, you can take the trip. You could take the ferry over to Playa del Carmen and you can do all those ruins. They also have the cenotes. I always recommend if you haven't done a cenote, do a cenote uh, and you can do that. Definitely do that in Cozumel or, you know, off the island on the Yucatan Peninsula proper, which is that ferry ride into Playa del Carmen. Uh, and that's it. That's it. Uh, was looking for some good new ideas. Thanks for the guidance. Hopefully we did the best. Again, Ryan, hopefully you heard that. We'll circle back and maybe you'll take some notes and uh, add your two cents when uh, when the time is right. Hey, Tommy and Ryan, every week I listen, the show gets better. I love the real-life opinion you guys both give out without any quote-unquote fluff. I know that the crew is very important to you both. Can you share any interesting facts or misconceptions about the crew? I've heard different things about their wages, tips, and how long they work for without a day off. Do they have to share living quarters? What is included in their wages? Food? I believe tipping well. I believe in tipping well and treating crew nicely always. And I'm interested in the lifestyle they experience, especially since most of them uh, seem to be from other countries beside the USA. Thanks for a great show to enjoy, Michelle. All right, Michelle, let's, uh, you know, yes, Ryan and I both place a huge premium on the value and the experience that you get from the crew as a part of your vacation, not just from the standpoint in which they're serving you, more from the standpoint of just 
getting to know them, sharing the experience and, uh, you know, seeing them when you go back on the ship the next time and remembering who they are and they remember you. Ryan, much more so because he's a little bit more, I guess, New York centric with his cruising and he's just a Norwegian guy. So he's going to run into a lot of the same crew members over and over again. Again, Ryan, maybe circle this one and we'll go back to it on this. But this is what I do know about the crew. Uh, yes, they are paid a lot less than you would expect from regular people who would be doing the same jobs that they do on land. You do have to remember a couple of things. They are probably paid a lot more than they would be paid in their country. And you also have to remember that their expenses are a lot less based on the fact that room and board is covered. Now, I don't know if it ends up being a net positive for them, but I do think it's important to know while, yes, I think most of the crew and the job that they do, they're probably underpaid in whatever way, shape, or form you want to say because you always want to see them make as much money as possible. And how hard they work, they're probably not making what they should make. But, you know, everybody makes the decision, is it indentured servitude? Are they kind of like being treated as like a... You know, just laborers and not being compensated properly. I don't know. I think probably the cruise lines know there is that dance. They are a for-profit company too, so they want to make as much money as possible. I am not going to stand here and judge anybody. I'd love to see them make more money, but I think all in all, they're doing it right. So at least for a certain period of time, it does end up being worth their while. Um <clears throat> The tips, yes, the tip situation is a little weird. When you tip on a cruise ship, you're not necessarily tipping the person as much as you think you are. Maybe there's more of a chance of that when you give cash directly. I still think in general, all the tips go into a pool. They go to the powers that be. And what I understand is that they are redistributed in a manner of of which the powers that be see fit. And I think some of those parameters, uh, most of those parameters are uh, based on guest reviews. I think all the money that you tip goes in at the end of the cruise. They see who gets the best reviews. Uh, they see who, what the hierarchy is. Maybe it's seniority. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's seniority. I don't know if it's hours worked. I don't know what it is. But I do know that the reviews do have a big um I guess, effect on what, who gets what in terms of tips. And I also know that you don't, they don't typically get the tips that we give them directly. It all gets turned in and redistributed, redistributed, whether we think that's a good idea or not. That is what it is. Uh, included in their wages is definitely the room and board, uh, the food, They do not pay for food. If it's just the regular crew mess, I do believe they pay. If they have, if they, they can go to specialty restaurants for the most part, but they have to pay for that. I don't know what the pricing is, if there's an employee discount. Um, and like you, I believe in tipping well too. And uh, yeah, the lifestyle, we know one thing. There's no way around it. Of course, some people will tell you it's exaggerated. Some people will tell you it's underrepresented. But these crew people are partying. They are going deep into the night. They are making babies together. <laughs> no, I know that, you know, I, listen, it is what it is. I've talked to enough of a sample size to know that these people come to work. They're young. They're in their formative years, and they are dragging themselves to work very often hungover. And 
I can tell you it's just a fact. People want to say that that's not true and that's an exaggerated thing. It's just, I know. Trust me. What's the game recognizes game? It's not necessarily game. It's hospitality workers recognize hospitality workers and you can give them a look and kind of give them that eye and say oh man you had a you had a night last night didn't you and when you suspect it more often than not it's right so yes do the powers that be know that in many cases there are a lot of fringe benefits and that offers them the right to basically maybe take certain amenities away or pay less? There's probably some of that that goes on. You know, you do this, you're having the time of your life, you're seeing the world. They don't place restrictions from what I know as far as people hooking up with each other. You got gift shop people, banging entertainment people. You have, you know, maintenance workers banging you know uh, the bartenders it's all across the board and it's a festival life at sea i'm a member of a few different groups on facebook that are exclusively supposedly just for crew shout out to scott stevenson um and you know you see what goes on it is a wild lifestyle and yes from what you hear also is that what happens on the ship stays on the ship relationships uh, friendships, sometimes even sexual orientations on the ship may be completely different than they would be for a person when they get to land. As far as days off, I've heard that most of the time, most people work seven days a week. And that is, I guess, counterbalanced by the fact that once they're off the ship, they're off the ship. They go on vacation, their particular contract is over, and they get the days off. And I don't know. Do they get paid for those days off when they're off the ship, thus making up for the fact that they are working seven days a week? I'm not sure. I don't think all of them. Listen, the experience for the brand new barback or busboy that gets on the ship, I guarantee you is completely different than the experience of the seventh or eighth year entertainer on their third or fourth contract. So, it's a subjective thing. Yes, they do work their ass off. I'm not 100% sure if it's a net positive across the board, dollar for dollar, but nobody is forcing them to work on these ships. And I don't say that you know in an insensitive way. I say that in a way that a lot of them seem to not have complaints about their life on board cruise ships. Will I know? Maybe, you know what? In my journey, we'll probably get to know more. Uh, Ryan, we'll circle back on this one next time we talk and maybe weigh in on this too because, yes, Ryan definitely has his finger on the pulse of, you know, the crew experience, and we will dive more into that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. You guys are the best. Boat drinks, cones. Cones.